The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Roto World Football Show. I am Patrick Darty, joined for this week three preview by Denny Carter and Kyle DeVorcia. We'll be breaking down every week three game except for Thursday night football, including the Bears at the Chiefs. Bears down hellacious. The Chiefs with issues, but uh, going to steamroll the Bears. The Falcons at the Lions. The Chargers at the Vikings. That's the fantasy week of the game. The Eagles at the Bucks. Uh, Texans at the Jaguars. You kind of get the theme. We're going to go through every game. But those are some of the games we're going to go the, the theme, to be clear, is football games. If it you is. didn't get that after honestly the first two, it's a little disappointing. Uh, hashtag football games. Are we talking baseball? I, I wasn't clear. From the I, intro. Can, I can if you want. Denny, oh, uh, next show, next show, throw in uh, like Padres at, uh, you know, Dodgers, uh, you, Rangers. What if Dodgers? Padres, Kyle Rangers. Th- Kyle just failed the remember two baseball teams challenge. Um, <laughs> Kyle will I'm never trying to think of Rockies because. He'll yeah. never remember two baseball teams. Denny is dipping his toes back in. He asked me before the show actually about his O's. He seemed panicked about them, I'm even though they have uh, checks notes, the best record in the American League. I'm 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 spoiled. What can I say? I'm spoiled sure. as an O's fan. You know, I'm used to being the best. I want to stay the best. Mm-hmm. Two and a half games ahead of the Rays. They're really hoping they hold on to that number one seed. The top two seeds, of course, very important now in the MLB postseason. But you know, it's much more important than baseball. I hate to admit it as a baseball fan. <laughs> Uh, is the NFL football. You guys care yeah. about that a lot more. We care about that a lot, lot more on the Roto World football show. And we begin in Kansas City where the scuffling Chiefs welcome the free-falling Chicago Bears to town as monumental 13-point home favorites, Denny. There are offensive concerns on both sides, but the Bears' are several orders of magnitude greater than the Chiefs. Uh, Justin Fields has pledged to stop playing so robotic. He is also, as you noted, on Galaxy Brains, pledged to stop ever telling the truth yes. after he blamed his struggles on coaching. Uh, what is the week three and going forward hope for Justin Fields and this offense? I kind of feel like something's going to get opened up this week, and we're going to at least right. get some fantasy points against the Chiefs. I feel okay about the prospects for the Bears finally doing that thing where they let Justin Fields run more. Now, Justin Fields has four design rushing attempts in two games, which should be should be criminal. Congress should, be should having step four in. per half. Four per half right. sounds a little better than four in two games. And yeah, and uh, but but this is this is what we have so far. We have them trying to make him uh, Justin Fields into a pocket passer. He he does have thirteen rushes overall, so I, I do want to be clear that like he's still uh, leaving the pocket. He's still effective. He rushed for a touchdown against the bucks kind of saving his, his fantasy day, but it was only, it was four carries for three yards against the bucks. Yeah. It was not, not a lot. Honestly insane. Not a lot. 
So maybe when when he says I want to play less robotic and more instinctively, maybe that means more running and more scrambling. Um, I I think you know we can we can hope so. Here here's the thing we we kind of got a monkey paw situation with the Bears offense where all, all off season we said you know what if they could like get to the middle of the league and pass rate over expected <laughs> it might be good right it might be good for everyone well they have <laughs> and it's been bad yeah, <laughs> it's, it's been uh, so so bad I should say they're 20th in pass rate over expected so not quite in the middle but you know you the point, you the the point you're making not is 30 really seconds. funny though it's really funny though because they were you know the 31st 32nd in every sort of how much do you pass type of metric yeah. you're totally right like we just need a little more passing production and uh there's maybe a reason they were 31st in pass attempts 32nd like oh yeah it's been it's been awful so i actually think they they need to get back to the super super run heavy stuff uh if they're going to be like a functional offense why did they create this like three-headed monster in the backfield too if they weren't going to use it at all like i i mean i want khalil herbert and roshan johnson to get the majority of these touches i don't really think shutting down deontay foreman does anything for the bears offense good like they need him active they probably need him involved in the game plan and denny when you talk about playing less robotic more instinctively i mean our dude is saying He's going to do one read and then take off and run. Yeah. Which is right. All we want in fantasy. Yeah. yeah. It's just, oh God. It'd be, it can be so good. <laughs> like game script this week against Kansas city, which by the way, has a really good defense so far. Actually distur- disturbingly good, good to the point of like, if you're a Kelsey or Mahomes drafter, you're not feeling great at the moment, but uh, yeah. I, so we could get double digit rushes this week from, from fields. We could and just yeah, the Chiefs defense usually gets really good in the second half of the season. They always adjust and kind of start to clamp down. It is very yeah. unusual to see it good in the first half of the season. Kyle, speaking of the Chiefs, we don't really have clarity on this receiver situation at all after two weeks. We got a little few big plays from Sky Moore, I think, in week two. Was one of them like a coverage bust? Was that week one? No, it was last week that it was like roughly a coverage bust. I mean, you get a lot of coverage busts with Mahomes. So if That's you true. play the bulk of the snaps like Mahomes did the thing where he rolls out incredible job avoiding like an edge defender or something and you know he buys like five seconds of time that is so long for an entire defense to try and cover three receivers tight end and running back one of them gets open very often for Mahomes that was Sky Moore and he got 54 yards if I remember correctly non-touchdown he had a touchdown that came earlier in the game but I mean, he has, I think, a sub 15% target share. No one, none of the receivers at least, have a target share over 15%. The clarity we got last week is that there is no clarity by design. It's not that, like, oh, let's just wait and see who emerges. Like, the guy who earns the most targets on a per snap basis plays 11 snaps. That's Kadarius Tony. Back to back DNPs, if I remember correctly. I checked news, I think, just before I logged on. Yep. Don't know if we'll see him. If he doesn't play, I mean, he earns a lot of targets so that's more targets to go around for what is ultimately going to be like two to Rasheed Rice one to Justin Watson like it's not going to clearly funnel to a single player because Tony is just that unique but also unique in that he can only play 11 snaps even then he gets hurt so no I mean I'm I'm kind of holding on to Sky more if only because I maybe he's still talented I know 100% for sure what Maybe. I know. It's a very maybe at this point. But I know 100% for sure what MVS is. We're not getting a breakout. We'll have one breakout game and he'll disappear. You could still, I'm still pitching myself in the mirror on like Sky Moore's college production was really good. I, oh, it is very like me crying into the mirror saying like, you believe this. I know you still believe this. It's probably not happening. But if you want to stash one, 
it's Sky Moore. Do you need to stash any of them? Not at all. Feel free to cut them if you need to pick up this week's streaming defense or whatever. You know, it's just so funny about these Chiefs receiver struggles. By the way, you didn't mention Noah Gray. I'm sure we'll get three targets this week. Is they've been bad. They've been bad by excuse me, their offense by their standards. There really is no debating that. We're not getting fantasy goodness from any of the pass catchers. It it kind of like creates this sense that like Patrick Mahomes is struggling in fantasy. Uh, and then you look and uh he's the QB three by average fantasy points through two weeks. And it just he keeps getting away with it, doesn't he? It does not matter. He is could literally be throwing to the Rotor World Football Show cast and he would still be like the QB 17. Like it just does not matter. I, I would like to test matter. that theory. We should actually, yeah. And Denny Carter's uh, patellar tendon, yeah. uh, it was a non-contact injury. He was jogging in a disruption. <laughs> um, immediately, by the way, immediately my hamstring would explode. <laughs> An immediate, immediate non-contact uh, hashtag rupture for Denny Carter. Denny, Chiefs backfield, not a whole lot more certainty there. I mean, Isaiah Pacheco is the lead back. The workloads are not what people like me were expecting when we kind of thought Isaiah Pacheco would be an under-the-radar RB2. A lot of the yeah. Sharps were fading Isaiah Pacheco. They look uh, very correct so far. Even though Jared <laughs> McKinnon has, like, barely played, yeah. they were kind of in on CH having an, another role. Like, is it as bad as it looks for Isaiah Pacheco, or is there is there hope for people like me? So just real quick, Pacheco has a, uh, a hamstring contusion. Uh Fancy word for a bruise. Sorry if you wow. hear my dog. He's he's also he also drafted Pacheco in every league. I, and uh, he was among uh, the sharps, as they say. Uh, yes. Yes. And he he uh, so Pacheco mispracticed Wednesday. He was back on Thursday. I think in a limited capacity. So it looks like he'll be okay for this week. The, here's the thing with the Chiefs' offense: we're used to seeing them pass heavy, but this this season has been like a new level of pass heavy over t- the first two weeks. They're 15% over their expected pass rate. The next the next closest team is the Vikings at 8% over their expected pass rate. They're nearly so, twice mean, as pass-heavy relative to expectation than yeah. the number two team. They're like an order of magnitude ahead. They're like totally 100% cool with giving up on running the football. Right. You've got Patrick Mahomes. I don't care who he's throwing to. That's a perfectly understandable strategy. And yeah, so Pacheco actually is leading the team in route rate and target and target rate. Excuse uh, me. I mean, yeah. that's which if you had told me that in the summer, I'd be like, all right, I am. I'd be seriously calling the United States Treasury. Like, like how much <laughs> does it? How much? Just hear me out. How much does it cost to get a money printer at my home? How much does it cost? <laughs> To get a money printer my yeah, home. yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad you didn't hear that information then, because yes. uh, you'd be you'd be in trouble with uh, two million in the hole on a loan to a very, very uh, unsavory person. <laughs> so that unsavory yeah. person, the U.S. government. All right. Yes. No, his name is Salvatore. And, and uh, I, so I I, I want to be somewhat bullish on Pacheco because the numbers seem okay, but this team is clearly okay with just never running the ball. Yeah, as, the, as they probably should be. Like you said, the Bears can't be okay with never running the ball, Kyle. They have not done so effectively. Again, as I referenced, they made Deontay Foreman a healthy scratch for week two. I just don't see that continuing. As they're going to throw this car in first and go really, really run heavy. It's a matter of when, not if. Probably not week three against the Chiefs, unless they think they could win with keep away ball, which they won't be able to do. Yeah, it would have to be like the Malik Willis versus uh, versus the Chiefs, where they sort of started to get away with it. And I think they lost that one, right? So is this is there anything there though with Khalil Herbert, Roshan Johnson, or can't flex either of them, or it, desperation flexes at best? 
Yeah, I guess you could call Khalil Herbert a, dex- a desperation flex because he's getting still the majority of the carries for the backfield. But I, I'm not sure how long this lasts. We saw once they scratched Deonta Foreman, we saw Roshan Johnson's snap rate go up slightly. He leads the team in uh, routes. He leads the team in pass blocking reps. And his share of the backfield touches went up by 10%. Like immediately, he didn't get all of the, like, you know, Deonta Foreman, whatever he was going to have, whatever he thought he would, he would have in the preseason. But like that already started to go to him. He looks really good both on the ground and catching passes. Like, to me, this is what like a midseason breakout looks like. We're already starting to see from week one a usable role in terms of his pass catching production. And then maybe we start to get more improvement in terms of his cut of the carries pie. And then what if they start running the football more because you do not want to throw the football? Like there's a very clear on-ramp to like RB two plus numbers in, in week eight. I don't think we're there yet. I'm not playing him yet. But if you tell me one of them is going to score more points over the second half of the season, my chips are all in on Roshan. The Bears, by the way, do not have a defensive coordinator for this game. Our thoughts are with them. Yes. A Bills team that corrected course in week two visits the 2-0 and Washington Commanders. I think that's not a typo. As roughly touchdown favorites in Washington. Kyle, how real do we think Josh Allen's dink and dunk ball was in week two? Or only Zach Wilson at a lower average intended air yards, uh, according to next-gen stats? Yeah, I would say being in that tier of like, that's true dink and dunk stuff. You do not want to be mentioned in the same sentence as Zach Wilson. No. Uh, that That's probably fake. I mean, we saw in week one, uh, Josh Allen is the most Josh Allen he's ever been. At least he was in that game. The insane like hurdle attempt, the complete YOLO deep balls. And they probably strategically chose to reel that in in week two. It also worked out well. So I understand why they would go in that direction. If you told me he has... Uh, you know, career low or second lowest ADOT in this season, that checks out. Like Gabe Davis just cannot get separation. Last year, he was 87th in ESPN's open score. He was 79th in average separation per next gen. This year, just two games, but he's 89th. Like the deep threat cannot get away from whatever corner is covering him. And after that, you look at their investments. It's investing in a tight end. It's investing in like Swiss army knife, pass catching type of running back, James Cook. It's re-upping a massive contract for Dawson Knox. So I don't think it will be low, low. I like we complained all season about like the Justin Herbert ADOT. I'd be shocked if we get that kind of ADOT from Josh yeah. Allen. Too many but dogs barking real- inside that soul for that to happen. <laughs> it is. I mean, like, like I said, I, in week one, he's as crazy as he's ever been. I do think <laughs> maybe really the was. Co- <laughs> it was nuts. Oh man. It was great. Dude, I do think that Josh was- Allen playing with the flare gun. Oh, I'm not really <laughs> sure what's going on here, Joe, but maybe just shot a flare at Khalil Shapiro, who is now injured and in the blue tent. <laughs> it's all right. Oh, my, my point. My point was over. So I'm very happy. <laughs> uh, we'll we'll move on then to the Washington Commanders receivers, Danny Carter, because I don't know what to do with them. I'm assuming many of our listeners don't know what to do with them. Maybe we were too hasty to kind of quote Barry Terry McLaurin after Week One, but uh, he was ahead of Jahan Dotson in Week Two. But neither one of them were producing, uh, even though they won the game. They scored 35 points in the game. What do we tell people about the commander's receivers? Yeah, uh, listen, Terry McLaurin has one good catch this year. So let's just be let's just be clear about that. Like beyond that, it's that it, him and Dotson have done nothing. Um, this commander's offense, for as functional as it has been through much of the past two weeks, 
uh, doesn't really target receivers so far. They're 28th in wide receiver target share. By the way, they're second in tight end target share for what that's worth. Logan, Logan Thomas, Thomas now hurt. Might, right, Logan Thomas might be out. So. Sorry. Yeah, we'll see, see what that means for John Bates or Cole Turner for week three. Anyway, um, th- this is a dink and dunk offense. Commanders have the eighth lowest average depth of target. Uh, Dotson, by the way, has a slight edge in target share, while McLaurin has a huge edge in air yards. So it, it appears that Terry McLaurin is going to be, or for now, is the the, the big play receiver. Um, it's it's hugely disappointing, I think, for folks who drafted Dotson later and said, "Oh, I, I got Washington's wide receiver one." I I was one of those people. Like I thought, okay, well, Dotson's going to take over here. Uh, there, his usage has been bad, just just plain bad. There's there's no upside to it right now. Um, so I, I guess you start him if if you have to, but you probably can do better coming into this week. Um, by the way, we're probably not going to get a ton of command, even if they want to start targeting the receivers more as they have to do. Producer Adam reminds us they are expecting very, very poor weather in the mid-Atlantic and the Washington, D.C. area this weekend. They could have to really, really focus on the running games. Uh, James Cook missed practice Thursday, but it was because uh, his, his significant other had a baby. Oh, so um, he will be. He will, we had a blurb up on him missing practice. He will be back and playing. Um, in this game, where again the run game could feature very heavily, apparently it's going to be really windy. I tell you, what, every time we get concerned about the weather, like nothing happens. Yeah. Also, this 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 just means it's a Latavius Murray game. We all know that. Oh yuck! You're right. Yeah. <laughs> we can we can take that out and, and post as it's known. <laughs> we can take that comment out and post. All right. Well, that wraps up this game. Move us on, Pat. It does. The Titans and the Browns have both already won and lost ugly this season. Denny, can we trust either of these offenses? Who uh, the Titans looked a lot better than the Browns did in Week Two. The Browns, a total horror show against yeah. the Pittsburgh Steelers in Monday Night Football. I, yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you. I, I think I trust the Titans a little more than the Browns at this point. The Titans are 20th in EPA per play through Week Two. Cleveland is 29th, like right around the like just just barely above the Jets. Okay, so not not pretty uh, for the Deshaun Watson led uh, Browns. Here's the thing about this game. I, I think that as a community, as a football community, we are overstating the extent to which the Titans are a pass funnel. Okay. Uh, and, and I think this is accentuated by how bad Josh Kelly was last week um, and Justin Herbert having a nice game. But through two weeks, the Titans uh, are only the 11th most extreme pass funnel. Okay. So like, I, it, it's not like teams are completely bailing on the run. What I'm saying is that if you picked up Jerome Ford this week, I think you're starting him. I, I've seen I've seen suggestions absolutely otherwise saying you can't start anybody against the Titans. I beg to differ. I think that you're starting <laughs> Jerome Ford this week. Oh, absolutely. Which, which Kyle segues into I was gonna ask if there's any Kareem Hunt concern for Jerome Ford. I mean, maybe there could be in some future weeks. It is interesting. I mean, we know that they chose Jerome Ford over Kareem Hunt. We also know that might have been more financial than maybe necessarily on field. We also know on field Kareem Hunt did absolutely nothing last yeah. year. And I, at least for week three, I'm not at all concerned about Kareem Hunt. Do you agree? Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, we saw, I, I think Hunt is in purely because he knows the system. Well, that's it. That's all I have. Cause he was pretty dreadful last year. He was, it was his second worst season in his own career and missed tackles force per attempt. 
yards after contact per attempt, PFF rush grade. He had a negative rush yards over expected. And the Browns recognized all this and gave him his second fewest carries per game. The only time he had fewer carries than last year was when he joined the Browns midseason after a suspension. So to me, they saw he was struggling badly. And then they scaled his workload back. That tells me pretty much everything I need to know. And then, like you said, they chose Jerome Ford straight up over him. They're going to continue choosing Jerome Ford straight up over him. He'll be a backup. He'll get some third down work. He might even score a frustrating touchdown. But all in all, I think the role remains extremely strong for Jerome Ford. Denny, on the other side, the Tennessee Titans, DeAndre Hopkins, two pretty unimpressive games. The second one, I think maybe they were – kind of limiting his – I don't remember they limited his snaps. Maybe limiting his touches as he was playing with a hamstring injury. They did up his usage a lot in the second half and overtime in week two. But what do we tell people about DeAndre Hopkins? And what is going to be a run-first offense very much reverted to super, super run-heavy in week two, 25 Derrick Henry carries. Yeah, and and uh, the Browns so far are a, a run funnel, uh, so we just have to keep that in mind. Probably see more uh, massive rushing a- uh, attempts from he- Henry this week. I-, I mentioned DeAndre Hopkins in the regression files this week, which you can find on our site. Um, I have a feeling I am going to have DeAndre Hopkins in there every single week this year <laughs> because you know everything is it looks pretty good you know from from the peripherals from all the the nerdy metrics it all looks good he's out there a lot he's he's dominating targets dominating air yards and it doesn't matter at all uh so you know Traylon burks Traylon burks total dust uh, uh, well, uh hopkins yeah 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 hopkins dust he so, would have had a 75 yard touchdown last week if he just kept his footing he still had a 70 yard catch it's curious that he couldn't keep his footing uh, He's very yeah. curious. <laughs> so, uh, so I, I mean, I, you, you're starting Hopkins. You don't have a better option, uh, but it's pretty bleak. I mean, you, you basically have to root for the Titans to get down multiple scores in the second half in order for Hopkins to do his thing. I would I say know a team who is not putting them down multiple scores in the second half. I know a team who may not mount multiple scores in this game, and that's, that's right. the Cleveland Browns. That's right. See, the, the Browns are nearing do or die territory for this Deshaun Watson experiment. Oh, yeah. uh, yes. You said that it's not like the Titans are as extreme of a pass funnel as they were last year yet. They are still a team that you just, you're just you not going to really have a ton of success running the ball on. And even if we like Jerome Ford, it's, they're breaking in a new starter this week. Deshaun Watson and the passing attack has to show something. If they can't something. show anything in this game. It's a, a genuine crisis. And uh, they're going to look for a lot of guaranteed money that they can't get out of. Yeah. Well, it's a uh, good thing they have none of their own picks for the next 40 years. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson is looking not oh, not on. too not too terrible. All right, saying. come on, man. Dude, DTR is good. Don't don't come on, man. DTR is better. All right, well we'll move on uh, to. Well, actually, we'll be we'll be right back after this. It's an old time AFC rivalry renewed on Sunday Night Football as TJ Watt and the Pittsburgh Steelers travel to the desert to face Devontae Adams and the Las Vegas Raiders in Nevada. Coverage begins at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on NBC and Peacock. And don't forget, find all your favorite NBC sports shows on Amazon Music. Just head to Amazon.com slash NBC Sports. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. 
Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. So absolutely beautiful graphic we had there for the studio. I noticed that too. That's good looking. That was beautiful. Sorry if you're listening in audio form and you did not get to see the work. It's gorgeous. I, I actually started crying. It would. I. It was truly gorgeous. But you started crying at like the three minute mark in the show, which I didn't. We didn't show any <laughs> graphics. That. Well, you know what has people crying? Kyle Pitts, <laughs> the Falcons, <laughs> and the Lions meet up in Detroit to surprisingly, in my opinion, modest forty six game total. Kyle, there is no shortage of fascinating storylines in this game. But let's start with the most frustrating. The aforementioned has everyone crying. Kyle Pitts is he still usable as a tight end? One. I ask you this question because we talked about it on our waiver show Monday. I was starting about, I don't know. I don't know about this Kyle Pitts. And uh, you were saying you did still know about this Kyle Pitts. As a Zoomer, you were required to keep the faith for at least two more years in this lost cause of Kyle Pitts. <laughs> oh, um, my God. What do you tell the Dude, I, I, I 100% am keeping the faith until his second team, which I assume they'll, if they have a heart, they'll decline his fifth-year option and let him walk to another team. And that won't work out. And then depending on the team after that, that's where my breaking point maybe <laughs> lies. Uh, we are so far from that breaking point. I'm still doing the Kyle Pitts thing. It's very easy to do the Kyle Pitts thing this year because uh, the tight end 12, so like the final tight end one in reality last week, scored 10.1 PPR points. In week one, it was eight points. Like tight end is so terrible. Kyle Pitts gives you – Kyle Pitts – fumbles a designed carry for minus 1.2 fantasy points in week one, and you would have only lost nine points relative to the tight end 12. There is no risk involved in Kyle Pitts's poor performances, which like, yeah, we're probably getting zero balled again before the year's over from Kyle Pitts. This team just runs too much for that to not happen, but his usage remains like really strong running around on over 90% of the team's drop back. So there's no subbing him out for certain plays. If they're passing plays target share of 16% is fine. And because he's the only guy they accept throwing deep to, he has a air yard share of over 50%, which is just, it's not sustainable, but it's hilarious. And it tells you where this team is at. So for me, yeah, Kyle Pitts, like, I don't know. He wouldn't rank as a tight end one in a lot of other fantasy seasons. Luckily this one is not a good one for tight ends. I wish I loved anything as much as Kyle Pitts loves dominating quote shares and uh, not posting any actual production. He does. He does dominate shares. By the way, uh, Kyle, are you starting Pitts over Taysom Hill this week? Yeah, not by a ton though. I have Taysom Hill ranked like pretty high, like thirteen or fourteen, I think. Absolutely disgusting. Well, is there any explanation why he is listed as a tight end? So he does not ever play the position of tight end. I don't I'm care. Really not clear why the services <laughs> continue to list him as a tight end. I don't care, and it's, it's got to be a lobbying group. And I think if I, you looked at, at yeah. receipts, Denny Carter has stuffed somewhere in an envelope. There might be some of his in that lobby group. I'm I'm not going to argue with it. Let's just go with it. Let's just go with that. We'll talk about that a little later in the show. Denny Jameer Gibbs is going to be the Lions' one A back. All indications that David Montgomery is going to be out with this really really deep thigh bruise. As we know by now, speaking of frustration. He didn't get the Lions' backfield all to himself when DeMont left in Week 2. Craig Reynolds mixed in for some touches, but the passing game involvement was already way up for Jameer Gibbs, even before the David Montgomery injury. Safe to say, even if it's going to remain a committee, he's going to be the 1A. 
How excited can we get for Jameer Gibbs against the Atlanta Falcons? Yeah, I I think we're looking at a uh, what the Zoomers are calling a smash spot for for Gibbs um, against a, a not so intimidating Atlanta front seven. Um, here's the thing about Monty, the kids are calling him this, uh, is that he accounted for 65% of the team's rushing attempts uh, before he went out, before he left the game in week two. So that's a lot. That's a lot of meat on the bone that is available for both Gibbs and Craig Reynolds, uh, who is, he is a person. Stop saying he's not. Um, I have him on multiple teams. He's my RB1. I'm not surprised to hear that. Uh, and <laughs> I'm, I was actually going to make a joke about being down bad at running back, but I'm actually I'm great at running back. You've never been better. Um, anyway, uh, when getting back to, to Craig Reynolds, Jameer, Jameer Gibbs. a lot about Jameer Craig Reynolds. Gibbs. We're about to go Jameer in. Gibbs. Jameer Gibbs. Listen, he went from 17% routes in week one to 57% in week two. He had nine targets last week, uh, caught seven of them. Uh, it's a great spot. I mean, this is what you've been waiting for. Is this a B. John Robinson explosion spot? I'm just going to open this up yes. to the field where the they usage was great. good. In, yeah, exactly. True. The usage was good in week one. It was better in week two. He actually yep. got some green zone touches. Uh, the Falcons already really seen like cut ups of his sick cuts. Uh, he's really, really, really good. <laughs> Are we getting he, already percolating? Are we getting a Bijan explosion in this game? Yeah, his like you said. I mean, he's he's so good that like I don't really care if he gets twenty eight percent of this team's carries. They run so much, and he's so efficient. Yeah, that's like one hundred and twenty yards locked in. But Pat, you pointed out like the more important thing, which is that his snap share rose, his share of the team's carries rose, his share of the team's routes rose. Like they are unsurprisingly getting this dude to be a full time guy, and eventually, I think we'll see. Algier as a you know we talk about how does Kyle Pitts have all these incredible shares and puts no production. Uh, Algier will have, I think at some point, a very modest share of the backfield, and he'll still have 10 carries for 60 yards and a touchdown because that's how much this team runs. So absolutely an explosion spot. They mostly all are, but like you said, this one in particular, we're heading in the right direction in terms of usage. It's a good matchup. This is it. Well, we're just hoping to a game or maybe the Lions like don't so dominate the pace and tempo of the game on the road against a really good offense in the Lions. Hopefully – when the game is when they're playing from behind, I think they're going to be forced to show their hand a lot more. I think that happened already a bit in week two, and that was more Bijan, and that we we could get the the full Bijan. Danny, I see something on the tip of your tongue. Yeah, uh, for, with with Bijan, he doesn't even need rushing. I mean, that, that's that's the crazy thing is that he gets so much play in the passing game that it's like everything that he gets as an actual running back is just uh, icing on the cake. So. The Lions, second second lowest pass rate over expected through week, two weeks. I think it's clear they want to keep the ball out of Jared Goff's hands when they can. That's why I think that depending on how this game plays out, I think I think Craig Reynolds sees ten plus touches here. I do. He's this team's Tyler Algier. Yikes! Uh, it's gonna be interesting. I forgot this is like the the frustrating rookie running back off. I'm glad we have. Mm-hmm. By the way, we have to mention Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, Feels like he will be playing, but he's going to be playing hurt, playing through a toe injury. It could be for several, several weeks. We'll see if that has any effect on his fantasy out, but I kind of doubt it since he's so compiling based. Maybe we'll get less yak than usual, but I think the, the PPR scam will be continuing to uh, back a Ford F-250 into the ATM. It's going to be <laughs> uh, printing money still. Thank God. So, yeah, thank God for that. The Miami Dolphins welcome the madding, maddeningly – inconsistent Denver Broncos. I say they're inconsistent. They're actually not inconsistent at all. They just blow every game um, to town as roughly touchdown favorites. 
Denny, do we like what we have seen so far from Russell Wilson, who, despite the two horrible chokes, uh, the fantasy production has been back much closer to where it was during his prime Seahawks years. It does seem like Sean Payton is having an effect right off the bat. Yes, Yes, I think that Sean Payton has successfully kind of reeled in Russ from whatever was happening last year and in his final year in Seattle. Um, the numbers are good. The numbers are good. Seventh and adjusted EPA per play for Russell Wilson. Uh, only a 9% downfield throwing rate. Only 9%. That's near, near the bottom of the league. So he's not just he's not just chucking it down the field like we're used to. I think that's reflected in his, we're going to call it the air yards conversion rate. Stick with me, folks. Uh, it's third behind only Jared Goff and Sam Howell. And Sam Howell and Jared Goff generally check down a lot. So we're seeing a kind of different kind of Russell Wilson. He's giving you a little bit of rushing. It's good. I think you're starting in this week. Did I need to do the snoring bit during air yards conversion rate? It's actually a very good stat. I was snoring before that. Now I'm in. I will say with, I will say with Russ, uh, he is on the not deep passing he's doing, like on the lack of it, he's running fairly hot on a Hail Mary to Brandon Johnson, I believe, to uh, not tie the game up, to put them in two-point tying position, which they lost, they didn't get. Even though there was blatant pass interference. Yeah, I know. Oh, that's right. That's the one. It was bad. He was was early. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, Marvin Mims fairly uncovered, like 60-something yard touchdown. So I do worry that if Russ, like, if they're not passing deep a lot, and then he just comes back to earth in that sense. Like there's some danger. It's dangerous, as he would say, uh, for like some bad regression to hit. Well, what about the Broncos backfield where Javante Williams, I think if you told us in the summer, he had 31 touches through his first two games. Summer drafters would be very, very happy about that. But it's been very empty calorie, not efficient on either the ground or through the air. Has not scored a touchdown. Hasn't put away his touch competition by any stretch. What do we say about the Broncos backfield? Yeah, it's all like you said, I think the more operative point is the opportunities, which that was, I think, probably to me, a bigger risk that he comes into the season and just they cannot give him the workload. It's also possible that like the very catastrophic knee injury suffered saps some of his tackle breaking ability. I think if his lack of efficiency continues for a few more weeks, you probably do start to get concerned that the volume is not super meaningful right now or at that point. But right now, I'm still going to fall back on volume is king. He's got 61% of the team's carries and a 14% target share. He's been elite in targets per outrun. They're like scheming him stuff, looking to him for checkdowns. So I'm going to hold the faith, but his efficiency is definitely something that scares me more than other backs efficiency because it could have a real underpinning of there's something going on with this player where it's like some other players it's, oh, he got rammed into heavy boxes for a game. That's probably not sticky. This this could be endemic to who he is at this very moment in his career. Forgot to ask anything about the Dolphins. Do we have anything to say about the Dolphins? Raheem Mostert, a lot of touches in week two. Yeah. Um, passing game quieter against Bill Belichick and company. Jalen Waddle still hasn't practiced, right? I believe I saw earlier today they didn't practice. He's dealing with a concussion, if I remember correctly. I do I don't even know what you do with this information though. Like Who's like, oh, man, I've been sitting on this river crack craft in my uh, 48 team dynasty league. I've been waiting to play him. Like, I guess the only thing is maybe more targets for uh, Durham Smythe because he play he plays every single snap. And when you take someone off the field like Jalen Waddle, who is so clearly a great target earner, he just happens to be his teams, too. Like, 
yeah, Durham Smythe could be a really down bad streaming option. He will be, in fact. Like I'm confident have, saying that he's a okay streaming option, especially if Waddle doesn't play. I have the answer, by the way, to what do you do with this Jalen Waddle thing? And the answer is Braxton Berrios. There you go. <laughs> I've got some Braxton Berrios on some real scuzzy best ball teams. <laughs> yeah, yikes. So let's see the Dolphins. Not much to say about the Dolphins on a weekly basis. They are so narrow, but back to back DNPs, that is confirmed for Jalen Waddle. That's tough to overcome. Uh, he's got to get in at least a limited practice on Friday. If he does not, I don't know if he even has enough time to clear the protocol. So definitely keep it locked to rotorworld.com for updates on that one. The Packers host the Saints as modest two-point home favorites. Kyle, has Jordan Love's hot start, quote-unquote, really just been a fluky touchdown rate? And But maybe some of the inevitable regression, could that be offset? Like Christian Watson, perhaps, returning? He's still very, very unclear for week three. What is the tale of Jordan Love's supposedly hot start? Yeah, I mean, he has – it's a fluky touchdown rate. I think it's like 11.5% or something that would, like, smash the NFL record. Obviously, he's not going to hang in that range. Could it be an above-average starter? Yes. I still – I'm a little bit skeptical. The defenses he's played, I believe, Atlanta and Chicago last year were 29th and 32nd in EPA per dropback essentially the worst defenses in the league this year. Chicago looks no better. Maybe Atlanta looks better. They're 18th. I'm still even skeptical of that. He's gotten a decent amount of help with yak, but on the other hand, we've, we've talked about this before. Like the, the good quarterbacks, they annihilate the bad defenses. That's what he's done so far. You can at least regress toward a prior of, I don't know if he's that good, but the two performances have absolutely moved the needle. And what you said about Christian Watson, like, oh, do you know how you prevent your touchdown rate from going to 11.5% to 3.5%? You put in, like, one of the league's best touchdown scores, one of the biggest big yeah. play threats we have. So, if, like you said, I don't know if he's back this week or not. If he is back, I'd expect him to be limited given his history of, like, soft tissue injuries. But in the long run, that will absolutely help. He did not practice Wednesday. I'm sure we could find out if he did something. And Christian Watson, he 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 sat for rest purposes on Thursday. Okay. Oh, yeah, he's limited on a Wednesday, rested on Thursday. Sounds like he's coming back, actually. Yeah, honest. I think so. Uh, that would be very, very, very good news because I uh, really need him. And one of my home leagues, Denny, Chris Olave has Richard Rebar in shambles. Correct? <laughs> uh, Rich came on the show. He truthed Chris Olave. Instead, I believe he's had at least six catches every game, at least 10 targets, I think at least 80 yards, at least one 40-yard reception. He's not scored a touchdown yet, but is this looking like just right. the next inevitable step in Chris Olave's breakout? Yeah, look, uh, not much uh, puts Rich Rebar in shambles, okay, no. and uh, not much at all. So that's that's why we are pointing it out. He finally got one thing wrong. Uh, <laughs> Seriously, it was the first time he's ever been wrong, so yeah, we will so celebrate that. Congrats on that on that run. You had a great run, Rich. Uh, Chris Olave, <laughs> seventh in expected fantasy points among wide receivers, 14th in actual points, like Pat said. That's without a touchdown through two games. Uh, Olave is sixth in total air yards. Derek Carr is throwing at a league-leading rate downfield. So just really chucking it up for Olave and Rashid Shahid. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it looks good. Now, would I like to see Olave get a little more of the intermediate looks I would just personally, but I can't, can't complain too much in an offense that really is not like trying to maximize points. Alave what was a good pick. I think that that's been bared out uh, over the first two games. Yeah. Are the saints, are they showing how to pick a blowtorch to the two high safeties? They're running a lot. They're throwing deep a lot. Kind of like what NFL offenses used to do. 
Well, they're the beginning to blowtorch the deep safety, didn't he? Now, I think that they're blowtorching. Couldn't they not score more than like a field goal in any of their drives versus the Titans? Let's try that. No, I, I think they're they're doing this, Pat, because uh, they're, they're not facing two high safeties because it's Derek Carr under center. He does throw deep a lot. He actually oh, he's always thrown deep a lot. And uh, well, Derek Carr can do it. Why can't any of these other guys do it? Yeah. Well, <laughs> they're 25th in points per game, so let's not you know let's not crown them yet. I, yeah. I mean, and by and getting back to what Josh Allen did against the Raiders last week, I kind of tend to think that he finally got it through his thick skull that that's what he's got to do the rest of his career. Nope. No, absolutely Wait no chance. Three. <laughs> yeah, truly no chance. Uh, All right. Denny has been Denny's been getting a little cocky. He got a little used to being right lately. <laughs> and he just said that Josh Allen would be comfortable becoming a ball distributor. Not going to happen. Just a check down artist the rest of his just, career. Real quick, I mentioned the Saints running the ball. It's going to be a lot harder to do this week. No Jamal Williams. Final week of Alvin Kamara's suspension. Kendra Miller, they have so little faith in. He was a healthy scratch last week. And then Tony Jones leading this backfield and presumably no, Kendrick wasn't healthy. Uh, he was hurt. I believe it was healthy scratch. I'm going to double check this as I continue to monologue, but just Kyle, what do we say about Tony Jones and this, the saints backfield? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm fairly confident. Kendrick was hurt. Cause he missed week one injured. Maybe he returned for like a limited session, but still wasn't ready. Uh, but I, I think it, he was hurt. questionable. Yep. He was hurt. Yeah. Uh, we, I was pretty we, sure. We, he was. we regret the air. Uh, oh, that was because it was my game, and that game was not good. I, I could have gone for a, a spry rookie busting off 15 yards of carry or something. Instead, I got Jamal Williams and gets hurt, Tony Jones. So, yeah, I remember that one. Uh, I do think Tony Jones, who, although, like, uh, I don't think he was with the team. Oh, he was with the Broncos, right, to start the offseason, and he comes back. He has been with the Saints prior. He knows the system well. I wouldn't be playing this guy though. I think Kendra comes back, gets enough of the pie. He's and practicing in full, by the way, Kendra Miller. Yeah, yeah. He's playing this week. It's just to what capacity? Because he also missed some time early in the offseason with a knee issue that he was suffering with in college. Then I believe he tweaked like a hammy or the knee again in training camp. And uh, so like he's missed a lot of practice. I don't think he's playable in any sense, but I think he is involved enough, and especially Taysom Hill is involved enough that I'm not really playing Tony Jones. If Tony Jones was alone in this backfield, I'm a sucker. I will play any dust ball alone in a backfield. <laughs> I did it with Jamal Williams. Like I did it with Josh Kelly versus the Titans. Uh, some other running. Oh, it's Jamal Williams versus the Titans. Like, oh, AJ Dillon. Like I Williams. do the process, the process, the process for these guys who are going to dominate their backfields. We're no longer in that territory for Tony Jones. So it's a stay away outside of Taysom Hill because of his phantom tight end eligibility. That's a, uh... Good way, good way to end. Tony Jones, we love our Tony Jones talk, but we are staying away from Tony Jones. We learned our lesson with AJ Dillon and Austin, or excuse me, Joshua Kelly. Except we did not, we might have to run it back with Joshua Kelly against the Vikings. Oh, yeah. Awful run defense. The fantasy game of the week has the Minnesota Vikings catching one point at home in a 54 totaled affair with the 0 2 Chargers. Denny, both teams badly, badly need this win. We will start with the Chargers in their passing game. Are we seeing what we need out of new offensive coordinator Kellen Moore? The rates are creeping upward for Justin Herbert, even though when you watch it, he still feels conservative, but the, the stats do tell a different story. He's throwing deeper down the field. He is. He is. And and and, that, and that's good. That's good for Mike Williams, especially maybe if Quentin Johnston can ever get onto the field, that'd be good for him too. I mean, Kellen Moore has showed that he's one of these guys who will adjust 
to what the defense is, is, is giving them uh, in, in week one, very run heavy. Maybe I think the run heaviest in the whole league. See, Kellen Moore, there's a reason they're giving you Josh Kelly. <laughs> there's a reason for that. <laughs> That's right. And, and then they were, you know, pass heavy in, in, in week two. Now, now they face a Vikings defense that is horrific against the run and has invited teams, including the Eagles last Thursday, begging them, please run, run the ball on us. And they do. And they get big chunk gains. So I think the that points toward the Chargers going back to do the run heavy thing this week, which kind of stinks for a lot of us who have Chargers players not named Josh Kelly. Speaking of the run heavy thing, the Vikings spent a lot of time talking about at least wanting to be more efficient in the running game this season, kind of hinting they wanted to run more. Uh, instead, yeah. they've done nothing of the sort. And there's a reason for that. It's because Alexander Madison just has not been good. They went out and gave up essentially nothing for Cam Akers. But Cam Akers is now in the Vikings' backfield. Hard to say he's a threat for week three. Might not even be active as he comes over from L.A. But what does what Cam Akers' addition to the Vikings' backfield mean, Kyle? Uh, no way it's anything good for Alexander Madison. Yeah, I mean, I think if this were like a true backfield competition – you could still comfortably bet on Madison. He has been poor to start the year. I don't think he's that great, but I, to me, it would be like, oh, sure, if you like Madison, go ahead and place your chips on him. But this move like tells us something about the team. It doesn't tell us as much about, like, oh, Cam Akers is so talented, but it tells us they have a clear lack of faith in what they're getting from Alexander Madison. I ultimately don't see either of these guys emerging as like, oh, you know, they're, they end up, maybe they end up, you know, scratching Akers down the road, or, oh, Cam Akers takes over the backfield. Akers has been essentially the least efficient running back in the NFL this year, not just by basic stats, which he is, but also by the NFL's next-gen rush yards over expected, which accounts for the situations that he's been put in, which haven't been great. He was poor in that stat last year. He's been poor in success rate. just doesn't seem to have it. The only thing you can really point to is his usage late season, which we saw, which despite the team just completely falling apart, they were like, oh, let's go ahead and pile 25 carries a game on Cam Akers to end the year. That type of faith in a running back, I think, means something. Uh, the fact that a really sharp coach was willing to, the season was lost, but I'm not going to ride on that too much. A really sharp coach is willing to give him a ton of touches. Maybe he works himself more work because of that, playing, uh, I believe, under a Sean McVay disciple as well. So, you know, well, that's why the trade is made. As we know, nothing NFL coaches love more than players who used to play for them. And that is why Cam right. Akers is now in the Minnesota Vikings with Kevin O'Connell. Yep, that's it. That's the reason. But, I mean, uh, both these guys are just dreadfully inefficient. I don't see that changing. If anything, this, like, lack of faith in Alexander Madison tells you that uh, the pass rate over expected numbers, they're going to keep printing. They are going to keep printing. And I full mea culpa and TJ Hawkinson. I'm like, this team is going to move on from this junk volume. Uh, what I meant is that they are going to move on to more of it. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> much of it. TJ Hawkinson. It. It will, quote, never stop averaging 6.7 yards per catch, even though he is, quote, a pass catcher and not a running back. How, and, yeah, how fantastic is it that we just know this team is just going to throw it constantly every single week? I mean, it makes Addison like a reasonable play, even though he's only running like 65% of the routes. You know, yeah. you're, it's fun. It's fun. Oh, it's fun. And KJ Osborne is honestly in play this week. With the Chargers through games against Tua Tagovailoa and Ryan Tannehill, are allowing 10.3 yards per attempt, not completion. They're allowing 10.3 yards every time the opposing – Tua Tagovailoa, I mean, the Dolphins' deep game can hit you for a few deep ones. 
Uh, I mean, the Titans, I guess, too, they hit you on those play-action deep shots, but you should not be coming out of games against Tua Tagovailoa and Ryan Tannehill surrendering 10.3 yards per attempt. That is a extremely bad sign for your pass defense. We go back to the run, though, Denny. Can we possibly go back to the Josh Kelly well? Because we just highlighted this extremely bad Vikings run defense. They gave up by far the biggest rushing performance so far of 2023 to DeAndre Swift two weeks ago. Does Josh Kelly, the second, you know, it, the pressure was on him. This is if Austin Eckler doesn't play, by the way. It's right. Like he's right. not going to play. Austin Eckler's getting into like being an influencer. He's releasing like influencer videos, like just feeling great, you know, just feeling the hustle, feeling the flow. Just loving the progress. And, yeah, I haven't practiced mm-hmm. it all yet, but I'm loving the progress, you know, feeling the progress. <laughs> he said, I'm not playing this week. You know what that means? Passive income. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> and I am uh, not watching the final 30 seconds of this video. No offense, Austin Eckler. But yeah. uh, I don't think you're going to play this week. I don't think you're going to play this week. And uh, why do film guys love Josh Kelly, by the way, Denny? Uh, um, I'm seeing some Josh Kelly love. He runs there. really hard, I guess. I don't Are we know. playing him against the Vikings? Yeah. Yeah, we are. Yeah. Kyle, where are we ranking either. Josh Kelly? I've got him, I think it's like the RB 19 or 20 oh. right now. I haven't yeah. hired him that. I'm a sick pup. Uh, He's going to Yeah, hold on. Can we talk about yeah, yeah, the yeah. people were complaining about my rankings last week, which they normally don't. People are usually pretty nice. <laughs> Why I got Josh Kelly. I basically <laughs> raised him like 12 spots. I usually am not having so much uncertainty, but I did not know where to rank Josh Kelly. And both of you are like, you got to get him like in the top oh, yeah, fifteen. Yeah. <laughs> not to be, not to be fair to you guys, I was seeking counsel, and I took it, and it was dead wrong. He accounted yeah, take for advice. That was a terrible idea. Yeah, he accounted for eighty percent of the rushes. You know, if we, he's going to do it again this week against a much, much worse run defense in the Vikings. The Vikings desperately want teams to run. They say, please do it, and they and the teams oblige. They yeah. will again. All right, he's my RB13 final answer. I just touched up my rankings. Man, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to call you guys again on Sunday and <laughs> see, uh, see what to do there. But Josh Kelly, he's in the top 24. We do know that. Even with no no teams on by, deep player pool right now, he's the only show in town for the that is Unless Austin Eckler returns. So there's not much indication Austin Eckler is going to return. You got to take your medicine with Josh Kelly. That includes uh, myself, as much as I may hate it. It was all Jover for the Jets in week two against the Cowboys, Kyle. Now they have to contend with Bill Belichick. Was week two the worst of it for Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall, and company? Or is there further to fall for this Jets, Zach Wilson-led attack? Uh, Was it last week? This wasn't my game. It was last week that the 66-yard Garrett Wilson touchdown happened, right? It was last week. So no, it's not the worst of it because we're not getting that every week. But we are getting Zach Wilson every week until they make a move at quarterback, which – I still think it'll happen. How has it probably, not happened by now? I really don't understand. We're probably weeks away. We need we need the Chargers to not do that dumb Chargers thing where they blow a two-score lead because we got to get the Vikings to 0-4. Get the Vikings to 0-4, send Kirk Cousins to New York, and Garrett Wilson is saved halfway through the season. <laughs> <laughs> I was Otherwise, wondering where you're going. I was wondering why you were talking about the Chargers and yeah. the Vikings again all of a sudden. You it's it's the it red pins with all the string on the, on the <laughs> board. I'm figuring out how to save... Uh, a lot of Garrett Wilson teams I drafted. We are not saving them this week. Among receivers with at least 10 targets, Garrett Wilson ranks 49th in catchable target rank, uh, catchable target rate. The Jets rank 26th in pass rate over expected, 30th in situation neutral pace. They are going to run the ball, pass very little, 
play really slow football, and you better believe the targets are not going to be catchable when they get to Garrett Wilson. <laughs> it is a nightmare. Isn't I will say for Brees Hall, the Patriots have been surprisingly vulnerable on the ground so far. I think they were kind of vulnerable on the ground last year too, so maybe it's not surprisingly. Uh, Brees Hall should get to double-digit touches and get to double-digit yards, at least as we had nine yards from scrimmage against the Cowboys. I do think the worst of it is over for Brees Hall. I agree that it's not even close to over for Garrett Wilson. Denny, do we make anything of these Patriots offense signs of life where Mac Jones, he looked usable against the Eagles. I mean, serviceable against the Eagles. He looks serviceable again against the Dolphins. Not really translating to fantasy production, uh, at least of his own. It's translating to fantasy production for Hunter Henry. Surprisingly for Kendrick Bourne, actually not yeah. surprisingly. He's probably the best receiver in this this group. I don't know why they, dog, why they dog housed him so much last year. What do we make of these signs of life for the Patriots? I, it's a totally different offense uh, from last season. Thank goodness for all of us and for the Republic itself. Uh, New England is 11th in pass rate over expected, uh, sixth in shotgun usage so far this year. That's pretty good. That's totally different from 2022. Uh, the whole thing with the Patriots receivers is a little hard to figure out, but I, I did my best before the show, and if I'll, I'll share my I'll share my findings with the class if you don't mind. Uh, in week two, when Devontae Parker was active, and he, he did not play in week one, by the way, um, this is how it, it's, it broke down. Kendrick Bourne only ran a route on 46% of the Patriots' dropbacks, but he led the team in targets, and he led the team in air yards by a considerable margin. So they're not using him much, but he's he was still very productive. Now, Devontae Parker actually led the team in pass routes and uh, was was a close second in, in targets and had the more productive game. Um, but I think Kendrick Bourne is going to be the downfield threat. Devontae Parker is going to catch the easier PPR scammy stuff, and that's the way it's going to go. I, I don't really know what to tell you about Bourne. I mean, Bourne would be a vastly superior option to Parker if we could, I don't know, slot him in for 70% of the routes, but at 46, it's a little iffy. I, I don't think he's playable at 46, which is frustrating. It's like you said, like I, he's got something going, but they scaled him back to an immediate part-time player. Am I playing a receiver? Like, I don't, I don't even like Kendrick Bourne is a very retread, like veteran receiver. I don't think he's elite, but let's say he's better than I, I've been giving him credit for. Am I playing a solid receiver running half less than half of the routes on a Mac Jones passing attack? I don't think he can do that. I don't think he can do it even as much as like he's been impressive so far. There's no doubt about that. Get more routes, Kendrick Bourne. Uh, could really use you in Dynasty, by the way. The Ravens. You need Kendrick Bourne in Dynasty? You I need bro. everyone in Dynasty. I need depth. I need someone. Come on, I need depth. I'm not playing them every You're week. like a best ball, bro. You just need everyone. If you just draft everyone, you can't be wrong. I, I apparently have Jake Funk on my Dynasty team. Oh, I somehow want to. It's very 14 teams, 24 deep. Actually, more like 27 because everyone's got three people on IR. But I genuinely, I was wondering who I got off waivers last night. It was John Bates, by the way. Oh, nice. I looked, Isn't Cole Turner going to start with that? And I was like, man, I got uh, Jake Funk last week. Apparently, uh, yeah. But the I, I know we already talked about the Washington game, but the Washington tight end split uh, pass routes last week when Logan Thomas was out. So I don't know what to make of it. Sorry about your dynasty team, Pat. <laughs> no, I've actually had the most points through two weeks, by the way. Uh, it's oh. a new day. We're turned over a new leaf. The Ravens host the Anthony Richardson less Colts, we believe, as eight point home favorites. But Denny, we'll start with the Ravens offense. They're 2 0. Uh, they're getting the dubs. 
but just kind of like a lifeless misfiring offense, I feel like. Or is that more perception than reality? I mean, we haven't seen much from Rashad Bateman. Odell Beckham's been in and out of the injury tent. Mark Andrews did miss week one. Just a really uninspiring backfield, though. What do you make of the Ravens' offensive struggles, or can you even call them that? Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of, like, pretty conservative, uh, you know, conservative throws. I mean, the, the Ravens are over their expected pass rate, so we have that going for us, which is which is kind of nice. Um, they're not, you know, the super run-heavy Ravens of, of yesteryear, uh, your grandparents, uh, Lamar Jackson Ravens. Uh, but it's, but it's just really not a whole lot of downfield stuff. It's a lot of check downs to Zay flowers, to Mark Andrews. I mean, that's it. That's the list of guys who (laughs) you can play on this team in fantasy. Odell Beckham, I think probably won't play this week. He has not practiced so far. I, the team (laughs) retirement season question mark for Odell Beckham. Why was this the plan for anyone? Yeah. So, I mean, John Harbaugh just seems like, yeah, we're probably going to be with Adam, whatever. Like, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I mean, it, does it does it matter that much? No, it probably doesn't. It's Aguilar season. I think they were still giving oh. touches to Devin Duvernay last. Right, week. right, right. I I did want to mention this. Thank you for mentioning Aguilar. So I, don't I know, like how excited you are when he says Aguilar, and you're like, "I'm in, baby. This is not going to go well." No, I'm out. I'm out on Aguilar. Listen, uh, when when Beckham left the game last week uh, against the Bengals, uh, Aguilar ran about half the routes after that, and. Bateman, Rashad Bateman, ran almost all of the routes after that. So Bateman was out there more. Now, um, Aguilar, had, Aguilar had caught five of six for a touchdown. I get that. I get the stat line looks better. But he was he was it a doesn't look, It doesn't look better. Bateman, <laughs> Bateman was, a, was, a, was the full-time guy. I honestly, I don't know what to say about Bateman. I feel like maybe he's just not good. I don't know. Uh, but but uh, that, that role is Bateman's, it seems. That's good. Bateman was good last year for a very brief stint before he hurt. I believe it was his foot, but like he was elite in yards per route run. He was stretching the field. He was playing like a very useful and sporadically productive role for the team. And they just gave up on that role this year. Maybe this Odell Beckham injury forces them back into it. God knows my best ball teams are praying that they do because I really was <laughs> liking drafting some Bateman, but uh, I'm cautiously optimistic. You shouldn't have told me that because you're getting my hopes up. Sorry, man. Denny, by the way, I need you to know uh, none of my grandparents have been alive since Lamar Jackson became the starter for the Ravens, and I was very offended by your joke. I I am sorry. I, HR just texted me. I'm going to talk with him after. My final grandparent passed in 2017 when he was still uh, at the University of Louisville, so I hope you're happy. Uh, I'm not happy. That makes me sad. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just too weird. Never joke. Uh, <laughs> uh, sorry about that. Too weird, Denny, to rely on anyone in the Ravens' backfield. Oh. Justice Hill, Gus Edwards, we got what we paid for basically last week. Both kind of like friend zoned in the 10 to 12 touch range. Any separation, anything to really care about here with right. these two very uninspiring RB3s. All right. Whatever people say about us, we were right about one thing this offseason, and it's that Lamar Jackson is never going to check down to running backs. It's just not going to happen through week two. Uh, the, the Ravens have targeted running backs at the second lowest rate in the league, uh, trailing only the Saints. Okay, it's not happening. I can't force myself, guys, to care about these running backs. I don't care. Well, let, I, let me interject here because I don't know. I guess Patrick, you guys need to read a little more of this little site I run called RotoWorld.com. Uh, okay. Justice Turf, though, I don't. He's not playing this week. Like he mispracticed Wednesday. Jeremy really? Fowler, ESPN's Jeremy Fowler tweeted that he. Like usually like he's going to push to go, but we're not sure if he can play. This was like, he might be sidelined this week. Typically when I see a reporter tweet that 
I'm like, oh, if you're saying he's like he's less likely to play than not uh, or than to do so, it's like you're done. You're not playing this week. So well, Denny and I are just the, the good news. The good news is that, uh, yes, Ravens, absolutely. You're not going to throw their running backs. You know who wasn't catching those passes anyways? Gus Edwards. Dude was not going to catch any of these mythical throws we had schemed up in the offseason. He's between the tackles. He's really efficient at that. And the Ravens run their backs between the tackles a lot. Like they're right now fifth in rushing expected fantasy points for their entire backfield. Now that backfield probably condensing, I'm going to say one and a half guys. Kenyon Drake was signed to the practice squad. He'll be called up on Saturday. He, I, has he been with the team before? I feel like he's definitely. He, he was last year. Yeah. Right. Was it Mel, what about Melvin Gordon? Is he still on the right? Uh, no, that guy wasn't real. You've talked about this quote <laughs> Melvin Gordon character for a while. We've never seen him. One of these guys, if not both of them, will undoubtedly steal some touches. They'll steal almost all the passing down works. Like I said, Gus doesn't really do that. But you give me Gus Edwards perennial 5.2 yards per carry. Uh, like you give that guy 15, 14, 15 carries. Like, yeah, I'm in for that. I'm going to have him ranked as like sketchy RB3, I think. We would be remiss if we did not mention the Zach Moss as an every down player right now. We would yeah, also be remiss if we did not come back right after this. Now that the NFL season is in full swing, we've got you covered. In addition to our three Roto World football shows a week, please check out the Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Barry and Bet the Edge every weekday. You can watch the Happy Hour at noon and 4 p.m. Eastern on Peacock. It's also available on the NFL on NBC Sports YouTube page. And Bet the Edge drops Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. on our NBC Sports YouTube page. Both shows are also available wherever you listen to your podcasts. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Guys, I don't know if you realize that we got a lot of games left. Um, gonna have to go oh, faster. Um, I think we got some bad ones, though. It shouldn't be hard to don't, fire. Don't let the audience hear this comment, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Let's just <laughs> Adam edit out. this out. Adam edit this out. No, we go. All right, we're gonna we're gonna blitz the end of the show. The two and Philadelphia Eagles host the surprisingly two and Tampa Bay Buccaneers as five point home favorites. Kyle, we've seen shocking production from Baker Mayfield and Mike Evans through two weeks, while the Eagles' injury ravaged secondary is struggling. Any chance? The Tampa Bay Buccaneers keep this passing game production rolling. Nah, I, this scam is coming apart at any moment. I mean, Baker uh, right now leads the NFL in yards per attempt and completion percentage from under pressure. You know who has been terrible under pressure for most of his career? Baker Mayfield. You know what stats like aren't particularly sticky in small samples? Under pressure stats. I don't believe he will be able to be the best quarterback in the NFL by far when under pressure. I think he's probably below average at it maybe you could say just regress to league average, whatever. He's going to be pressured so much. The Eagles are right now top five in pressure rate. They haven't been getting a ton of sacks. That's also another thing where pressure is much stickier than sacks. They're going to get to him. They'll probably sack him. He'll probably struggle under pressure. The house of cards comes down this week. Oh, come on. That's kind of I sad. like it. I like That's a great call. I, the, I, the pressure's totally a problem, agree. but the secondary is also a problem for the Eagles. They're they, they are majorly, majorly banged up. I don't know if I they do. Are. Yeah. But I, I would not like I'm starting Baker Mayfield, though. 
Um, Denny DeAndre Swift had the game of the year so far in week two. We don't know Kenneth Gainwell's week three status. And as of the show, they had yet to release an official practice report since the game is on Monday night. Been kind of all over the map on the Kenny Gainwell injury front. But what do we do with DeAndre Swift? Do we trust him with or without Kenneth Gainwell? If no Kenneth Gainwell, you have to at least consider him in the RB1 mix. What do we say about DeAndre Swift? I usually like, you know, hot, hottish takes on these sort of things, but I'm going to have to go the extremely cold take route and remind folks that DeAndre Swift was in the perfect position last week uh, against the Vikings. Like I said, the Vikings were asking them to run the ball. They obliged. Boston Scott left the game at halftime after carrying it five times for 40 yards in the first half. Um, Kenny Gamewell was out. Okay. Rashad Penny apparently is not a thing. So it was, it was all, it was all swift. Like they had, they really didn't have another option besides Penny, which I guess is not an option. What I'm saying is some of those things kind of evaporate and suddenly swift is not looking like as like a smash play every single week. I'm not saying that you don't start him here. I think, I think you do start him. I think he showed enough where the Eagles will use him probably as their primary rusher. Um, but this is a team that doesn't throw to running backs. We have to remember because Jalen Hurts is mobile quarterback, and mobile quarterbacks don't throw to running backs. So I, I, I don't 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 get don't get too excited about the Andrew Swift. I please please I'm begging you don't get excited. Is a perennial perennially run tough Bucks def- Bucks defense too. So it looks like it's holding tight through the first two games of 2023. Currently three point home favorites as we await word on Joe Burrow's health. It does not seem good. The Rams host the Bengals. Daniel, let's focus on the Rams, though, at first, and the sustainability of Puka Nakua and Kyron Williams' outrageous stats and usage to begin the 2023 season. Is is this going to keep up? Yeah, I mean, everything says, usage-wise, that this is pretty sustainable. Now, I mean, are we going to have, like, insane volume every single week that, that helps to fuel these wild numbers? Probably not. But Pukunuku is out there on every route. Uh, so far this year, oh shoot, I lost the thing. Um, Kyron Williams has a good a good route rate. Uh, Nakua is leading the league in first three targets. Like it's not like Stafford is just happening upon Pukunuku. Who, by the way, it was reported today, Pukunuku has been having breakfast with Matthew Stafford. It would yeah, that would have been nice to the know, tell us this in it's, July. I'd have been drafting Puka in every draft. Jover for Tyler Higby. Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess Tyler Higby, maybe he does maybe he fasts in the morning, he doesn't eat breakfast. Yeah, and, I don't understand why don't the rest of these guys it's only gonna be a few years of your life that you have to get up early. Just go have breakfast with Matthew Stafford. He's a, a breakfast supremacist, apparently. If you don't eat breakfast with him, he yeah. just thinks you're not worthy and, of his targets. And don't and, and right, and don't use your phone around Matthew Stafford. Yeah, please or, or God, do not use your phone around he'll Matthew. Get mad. He'll get upset. So Puka Nakua threw away his phone. He's eating breakfast with Stafford. He's seeing tons of targets. Yeah, I mean, I think you're ranking. You guys are ranking him as a as a wide receiver one ish this week. I am wide receiver eleven. Yeah, well. yeah so, that I think. So yeah, you could I, have him. You could jam him in the top five. I mean, if you really needed to, you you gotta you gotta start him. Um, and I I just I wanted to real quick mention Tutu Atwell. So. Uh, Air yard share wise, Puka Nakua leads the team with 35% of the air yards. Tutu has 30% of the air yards. So 
he's he's a I think he's a decent play too. I, th- I think the Rams will continue to be very pass heavy, uh, that kind of quick hitting stuff to substitute for a lack of a running game, and that's good for all these guys. We don't have a lot to say about the Bengals because we just don't know Joe Burrow's status. I would say well on the wrong side of questionable, but at 0-2 with an extra day to heal up, I know they're going to give him every shot to play against the Rams. The game is in Cincinnati too, so they can kind of take it up to the last second with the rehab. How about don't? Let He'll this break. dude heal. Give he's him a gonna break. Get, he's going to get three straight DNPs and be labeled questionable on Saturday. They're not going to rule him out, uh, yeah. even if he doesn't play. But, yeah, he needs to sit a game. But I know they're 0-2. All we know, Joe Burrow doesn't play. Jake Browning, uh, this ain't it, Chief. No. Uh, for Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. I mean, I don't know if you heard Chase in the offseason, too. It was, you know, late in training camp or it was yes. right after the calf injury. He was like, sit bro for five games and Man. let him get super healthy. Dude was on it. He was smart and should have done that. They don't yeah. ever do that. I, I, I remember hearing that and people kind of lashed out and said, why would you do that? Why would you say that? Obviously, he knew something that we don't and and uh, probably probably was right. But by the way, uh, Kyron Williams leads the league and expected – uh, receiving points among running backs. So, like, that's just that's he's legit. Do you have him in the top 12, Kyle? I think I have him. Oh, yeah. R- RB 11 or 12, or maybe even. 13. I thought I had him in nine or 10. So, we're in the same spot. I think I moved him to nine this morning, actually, because nice. the usage is just you you don't argue with that kind of usage. You yep. literally can't. Take it. So, take it. Good work if you can get it. The Steelers and Raiders square off in one of this week's primary down bad bowls Sunday night on NBC. <laughs> Check it oh, in. It, come on. This is going to be no, no, tune in for the graphics. They are nice looking. No, I mean, the game's going to be ribbon. It's going to be like two feral animals desperately <laughs> trying to get a victory. Um, Kyle, have we seen any positives with the Steelers' offense? And why is the answer no? That's incredible. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, it's a da- most dangerous animals when backed into a corner. These teams are in corners uh, that they mostly entirely put themselves in. Pittsburgh, by, I mean, they don't have another choice to roll with Kenny Pickett, but he's been dreadful. He's. He's dead last in EPA per play. Really, the only thing exciting we quote exciting we saw last week is at least George Pickens is sans Deontay Johnson looking like an alpha. They don't have guys who are really capable of taking targets away from him. I still don't know if you want to run your entire passing attack through a like no separation deep threat, but it's going to work for him. He's going to put PPR points on the field. Last week, he had a 33% target share and 61% of the air yards. If they want to move the ball more than eight yards downfield on a pass attempt, like it's just going to Pickens. So he's a great start, even if I have very little faith in this offense. It's also a good matchup against a very bad defense. So maybe they can get some stuff going, and that would just go nuclear for for Pickens. And on the other side, Jacoby Myers seems like he's coming back from his concussion can Devonte will excuse me? Can Devonte Adams and Jacoby Myers coexist? And I mean, I don't know why they wouldn't be able to, but been a very quiet start for Devonte Adams, both yeah. with and without Jacoby Myers. Right, it seemed like Adams was going to be in for like a nuclear game in week two. He had an early touchdown, targeted relentlessly, and then the Raiders decided that they were done scoring points after that, <laughs> um, which was a brave choice, and it did not work out. We'll see if it works out next time. I I, I do think. Look, I think that. Jacoby Myers is the kind of receiver that fits really well with what Jimmy Garoppolo a likes to do and B does well, which is kind of throw six to eight yards downfield to a guy standing still like, like that's, <laughs> that's what he does. Um, and Devon, I think that that threatens Devonte Adams, like massive air yards and target share here in week one, when both of these guys played and, and I know Myers left late in the game, but 
they both had the same amount of first read targets. Uh, nice. Jacoby Myers uh, led the, the led the team in target share. Um, was pretty close in air yard share. So I I think it's a slight problem for Devontae Adams. Like if you drafted him as a top six seven receiver, I don't know if you're getting that back. Real quick, do either of you have any wisdom on the Steelers' backfield where? It's not happening for Najee Harris. Hasn't happened for Jalen Warren yet, but seems like the the, the bell may be um, tolling for Najee Harris. To me, he's kind of in the Roshan plus zone where like, I'm not really sure you can rely on him getting targeted. Like I think right now he leads or is second in the NFL in targets per route run among running backs. Like sure, he's getting schemed a lot of work, but also it is quite convenient that every route he's seemingly run, he gets targeted. It's probably unsustainably high. He's not getting a ton of the backfield carries. But the way things are shaping up, it could be, I mean, for me personally, it will be a very hard spot in week three, four, five, six, seven, when you see him go out and be the more electric back than Najee time in and time out. But he's also the better pass catcher, which is something Najee was kind of billed as. Uh, he's, he's startable very deep in the sense of like, I've had some teams that got beat up at running back where I'll take six PPR scammy points and move on hoping I win at receiver. If I can, though, I'd probably avoid it. He's even better in the Roshan sense of I could see him really taking over his backfield and uh, not, you know, giving up carries to the quarterback, goal line stuff to the quarterback, and targets from the quarterback are going to be much more abundant in Pittsburgh. So the yeah. long term, as in five weeks or so for Warren, feels pretty strong. Yeah, you got to hold on Warren. I mean, even if you're not starting him right now, just, just do not let that guy go. Mm hmm. The Texans really showed something in week two, but they are two score underdogs in Jacksonville, currently nine points, Denny. Was week two an exciting preview for CJ Stroud's passing prowess or more of a comeback mode one-off? Still impressive even in comeback mode, which yeah. is different than garbage time. Sure, and I, and I get that. Also, I don't really get the line on this game since the Jags are down horrifically. Uh, I don't, you know. They a lot of respect for the Jaguars. A lot of Trevor, uh, you know, look. Folks don't want to talk about it. Trevor Lawrence has been uh, terrible this year. Yes, through two games. Um, listen, uh, uh, this Bobby Slowick, the offense coordinator, PFF Bobby, we're calling him. He's he's good. He's good with what with what they got, which is they they have a mid running back. They have a bad offensive line. They have a lot of pass catchers who are good after after the catch. And he said this week, I'm I'm fine if we have to drop back and throw it a bunch and a high at a high pace. We're gonna do it. And I'm hell excited yeah, about that. I like that. Yeah. What'd you say? I said, hell yeah, brother. Yes. Yes, exactly. PFF Bobby is on our team. We, I, I, it's going to, I think it can, it can fuel the kind of volume that makes the, these receivers, these Texans receivers viable going forward and makes Stroud kind of exciting. Kyle, what do we make of Calvin Ridley and Christian Kirk's week two receiving lines where we all said, yep, Calvin Ridley confirmed alpha after week one. Then he got hurt a bunch in week two, and Christian Kirk was a hashtag confirmed alpha. Uh, are they are they trading blows, or was week two more about Calvin Ridley's being banged up in and out in and out of the game? Yeah, I told you, but I guess I can share with the listeners again if you did miss the recap show. Ridley, uh, like stretching out for a back of the end zone catch, slams into the base of the goalpost. Then later, some Chiefs safety DB linebacker or something after the play is like roughly over lit him up he hit him good Ridley like did not look great after that 
And like you said, in and out of the lineup. And then on top of that, to bolster the Christian Kirk stats, Zay Jones uh, in and out of the lineup, questionable, eventually comes back in. He did not practice Wednesday. I haven't seen his practice stats Thursday. But I think it's more, it's probably some truth to the fact that Christian Kirk was able to go out and garner, if I remember correctly, 14 targets. But we still saw a strong target share from Calvin Ridley. So I'm not concerned. I think it's probably fair to say Calvin Ridley's week one overstated his role because Kirk is still good and Zay Jones is still good if he's healthy this week. So is Evan Ingram. Travis Etienne maybe is a good pass catcher. So I'd say he is still the number one receiver in my projections. Do I think he will absolutely dominate his team in targets? It's probably a bit of a stretch. I want to say one thing on Kirk real quick. Uh, I know this is in the weeds. Doug Peterson said before week two, he said, we're going to use Kirk way more because uh, the Chiefs play a lot of man coverage and the the Colts who they played in week one did not, they played a lot of zone. So if you can suss out what, what the opposing team is, is doing uh, defensively coverage wise against the Jags, maybe you can decipher whether it's going to be a Ridley week or maybe it's going to be a, a, or, or if it's a Kirk week. I mean, when did the stuff get so complicated? Man? I know, no, I know. I don't it's care so about what team plays zone. I don't care. In 2010, all you had to do was like find the the site that tracked targets, and you were printing. And and we've evolved. We targets, the targets did not exist in 2010. Let's be real, Kyle. That's true. Yeah, targets were not a thing in 2010. We didn't know about them. We didn't need to know about them. We we had touchdowns. You had box scores. We had touchdowns. We had Johnny we Cash. We had Steve Jobs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They were both already dead by then. I know Steve Jobs died in 2011, actually. Oh, um, yeah, that's right. <laughs> we, st- we still had Jobs in 2011. Uh, we did the Seahawks host the Panthers as nearly touchdown favorites. Kyle, that was more like it for the Seahawks last week. Is that going to be more what we see going forward? And how does JSN figure into the situation where it's still just looking at the DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett show, as some of us feared over the summer? Yeah, I mean, it's still fairly clear that JSN is the number three. He's running a route on just over 60% of the team's dropbacks. It's not nothing. He still has a strong targets per route run. But I think the more frustrating thing for me was last week, DK Metcalf left briefly with a rib injury. His route rate dropped by like 10% or something. But you think like, oh, that's a perfect time to to work in JSN to the offense more. His route rate actually dropped by a few percent. They just ended up playing more to tight end, I believe. So to me, it's still clear that even if DK Metcalf, who I think he's like almost not going to practice at all this week and then play anyways, that's basically the, the hint Pete Carroll gave us. Maybe that's an opening for JSN to get in. But we saw last week, no guarantee that that's what happens. They can play more too tight end. They can just end up running the ball more and leave JSN out there. So you're holding him for sure because he looks good when he gets the ball. He's earning targets at a pretty solid clip. But I don't think you can play him yet. Denny, the Panthers looking like not a good situation. They're already talking about changing play callers, although Frank Reich is saying he's not considering that. Bryce Young has missed back-to-back practices with an ankle injury. This line is probably going to go up from six points. Uh, Any sources of hope or fantasy goodness on this Carolina Panthers offense? I'm not commenting on Bryce Young's long-term NFL prospects when I say that Andy Dalton is probably an upgrade for this offense uh, right now, right now. Okay, so Andy Dalton would start. Hopefully, no one's listening anymore. I'm just saying, what I mean, he would he would start. Uh, um, Jonathan Mingo, I mentioned him in the regression files. You can check that out. Uh, he has really strong peripherals. That's I'll just leave it at that. I mean, he's the only only somewhat exciting Panthers uh, player here. The Panthers would probably be playing from behind pretty significantly. Yeah, you know, so Mingo could uh, could see crazy targets like maybe eight in this game. He's been getting targeted well. I just like, he doesn't seem capable of getting much separation. He's earning targets and has a 
dismal like reception rate. That's yeah. not super sticky, but I do think it's indicative of he just can't separate right now. That's right. something we're seeing with DJ Chark as well. So to me, I, like Bryce definitely hasn't played perfect, but he is not getting any help from his receivers. I believe he is the highest, uh, the highest throw rate into like tightly covered receivers in the NFL right now. They just have guys out there, and I don't think they'll be able to do much with them. I hate six. I did not. I think one of the very few players I did not draft a single time was Adam Thielen. He could PPR scam us, not into oblivion, but to a very strong finish, to like a, a good, as, as Pat would complain about like Zay Jones last year, where I'm like, Zay Jones is good. You got to give it to him. Pat doesn't want to give it to him. That's going to be me with Adam Thielen. I don't want to give it to him. We may have to give it to him. As a, ger- as a geriatric millennial, I'm going to give it to Adam Thielen when he, when he has nine catches for 14 PPR points. This, by the way, the, the Seahawks already gained half a point. They're up to six and a half point favorites. I'm having a producer, Adam, very powerfully look into it like, <laughs> a guess. What, what, what would this line get up to if Bryce Young is ruled out like eight and a half maybe? Or is he not worth that many points at this point? It'll actually go down. I forgot that it's Andy Dalton. <laughs> so never mind. It probably actually will stay the same. No, I, I think Andy Dalton's probably an upgrade at this moment in time. I don't think he. I don't think he is, but mostly because I am blaming a lot of the Bryce Young struggles on his receivers. It it might not move though. You might be right that it, it's functionally lateral as you get this low into like this guy's the quarterback thirty one in the league and thirty three. Yeah, yeah, it it yeah. may not matter. I forgot about that. That the backup was actually uh, pretty good. We now onto our final game: the Cowboys at the Arizona Cardinals. Cowboys momentous twelve point favorites. The Cowboys apparently in practice Thursday lost Trayvon Diggs to a torn ACL. Very, very, very bad news. Really? Wow. Yes. Very bad news for this team's championship aspirations, even though, like, there are receivers. They're like, Trayvon Diggs isn't even good, man. And he's one <laughs> of those guys, but he is uh, quite good. Very big loss for the Cowboys. Oh, Won't really factor into this game where the Cardinals don't have the receivers to threaten them. Uh, Kyle, main, this is one of those games where I feel like in fantasy, the only thing we're worried about, will, will the game be close enough, long enough, for the Cowboys to actually give us some fantasy points. Will CeeDee Lamb score fantasy points in this game? Are the Cowboys just going to go ultra, mega, run heavy, uh, things of that nature? <laughs> yeah, for me, as long as you're not asking for anything other than Tony Pollard points and CeeDee Lamb points, you're fine. And I don't know why you, like, don't play Jake Ferguson is, is the takeaway. Don't play Michael Gallup. Like, he's running a bunch of routes, and he just cannot draw targets on his routes. Or CeeDee Lamb, also running a bunch of routes, but really strong target per route run. 26% target share, an air yard share well north of 30%. He like if the Cowboys blow out the Cardinals, they probably scored two passing touchdowns. Maybe they don't do it in the way the Chiefs would where they throw six passing touchdowns, but they will at least get a few passing touchdowns and it is very likely that if they do that, it's coming through the only receiver they have earning a ton of targets. Anything else to say about this game? I don't know. Uh Zach Ertz PPR's game. Yeah, yep. Zach Ertz leads all tight ends in target share. He's like second in air yard share, leads them all in targets per outrun, PPR, uh, tight end seven, I think, through the two. I don't think scam really does it justice. This is more like elaborate international criminal ring. This goes well, well beyond a scam. Interpol is issuing like a red notice. <laughs> For Zach Ertz. This is very right. bad. Right. We could we could have agents storming the field during yes. this game. Um, there are very, very few countries where you can legally tread right now. And <laughs> Zach, uh, please uh, watch your back. And we watched our back. We got out of here. We sprinted to the end. There's just not a whole lot to say, but we need more information on a lot of these teams at this point. There's not as many viable offensive players this year. Game totals are so low this year. Offensive football, it's down bad. 
We need more fantasy points. We need more fantasy viable players. You know what to do, NFL. You know what to do. And oh, it no. rhymes with, well, it's just ban two high safeties. That's there you go. Pitch the pitch clock now. I believe is what we're saying for the NFL. Yes. We need a pitch clock now. Ban the shift. Ban everything that is not listening to the Roto World Football Show or reading RotoWorld.com. We got great stuff on the site from everyone, including Denny's regression files, including Kyle's waiver wire, which still has plenty of actionable information even if your waivers have already run. My rankings, stuff from Zach Kruger. He's got something dropping Friday. Yep. Uh, Lawrence Jackson's Flex Finder. He had Zach's RB usage report. Zach's expected points article. There's so much stuff over at the site. A lot of news updates that you got to keep it locked to, too. So for Denny Carter, for Kyle Dvorak, and Patrick Darty, thank you so much for listening. We will be back later. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben and & Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.